This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle. Well, hello, everybody. This is Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio, and it is already June, and I, it, the year is just flying by, but I don't know how many other parents out there were juggling the virtual and the in-person uh, school this year, but I have to say thank you, thank you, thank you to all of the teachers and administrators and everybody in the, the, the people who work in the lunchroom, the custodians, and the I mean everyone um, who just really just – dug deep and um, helped all of us this year. We, You weren't just helping the kids. You were helping entire communities and parents. <clears throat> and so I just I want to tell you thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you because you got uh, me through some very uh, crazy times and, uh, and teaching and keeping our kids going. So thank you uh, a million times over. And I hope that a lot of you get to have some downtime this uh, summer, especially um, with it being, let's see, it is National Zoo and Aquarium Month here in the United States, so uh, it's very possible that maybe you could go uh, hang out and just uh, walk casually around and not be in any hurry. If you're an educator, go out and about and see something new. Um, And it is also um, Candy Month. So I hope if you love candy, you can uh, pick up your favorites. And I hope some of your students and uh, the kids in your schools have given you a bit of a treat. You can uh, have that while you're, um, you know, off this summer. So thank you again to educators. And it's even more fun because in the summer I come up with this really huge to-be-read pile. And one of my most fun things I do is I find authors that are new to me. So I have an author that's new to me, and she is Fantastic. Um, and so despite working as a professional wordsmith, uh, Halima Khatun is a broadcast journalist having worked with the BBC and ITV. Since she was a child, she knew that words would be her thing. With a lifelong passion for writing, Halima wrote her first coming-of-age novel, a children's story at the age of 12. It was politely turned down by all major publishing houses. However, providing that writing was indeed her forte, um, Halima went to study English and journalism and was just one of four people in the UK to be granted a BBC scholarship during her postgraduate studies. Along with being a PR consultant, she also blogs on lifestyle, food, travel, and parenthood on halimabobs.com, and the link for that is in the write-up of the show. This is where she shares updates on her novels, and her first being A Secret Diary of Arranged Marriage that came out last year, and her the second of the series, The Secret Life of Bengali Bridezilla, was released earlier this year. And you can find her at her website, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Welcome to the show. How are you today, my dear? Thank you for having me. I'm very well, thank you. Um, I sympathize with the whole children's situation. I have a three-year-old and one-year-old, and I had a very fraught morning, but we're okay. We're here, and that's the main, that's the main thing. You know, it just kind of got to the point for us. I have four, and um, you know, my oldest is about to graduate, and then my three are scattered through middle and, and um, elementary school. And yeah, there were just days. It's like, did you just turn it in? You know, it's like you just got. To the, I just yeah. got to the point of, please tell me you just turned it in because a seventy is so much better than a zero. I mean, you just zero is just going to kill your grade. Seventy, you know, we can. We can work with that. So, yeah, it's um, you start picking your battles a little differently, don't you? 
Oh, you really do. And yeah, I think it's just, um, yeah, patience is a virtue and we get through it. And I think with this pandemic, I think, like you say, I think we all, especially the teachers, of course, that do this every day with a smile on their face. Um, right, right. Because it's been, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I also see how resilient people can be and how absolutely creative people can be, which is mm. um, hopeful in a lot of ways um, because it's like, okay, well, I, I can figure this out. I can do this. You know, it's just not going to be what I thought it was going to be. Um, but, yeah, it's important to see that we can sometimes we can figure this out. It's not pretty, but we can still do it. Absolutely, definitely. So you submitted a book when you were 12. Um, tell me about this book you wrote when you were um, just absolutely loving words and wanting to submit. Oh, I think I have to. I'll have to find it one day and dig it out and maybe publish it myself. Um, so the story, um, I cringe now, but at the time I thought it was going to be, you know, um, it was J.K. Rowling level, of course. Of course. It was called, um, yes. it was called James World. And um, okay. it was a it, oh, Jane's World. I think the working title was Jane's World, Jane's Gang, and it was. I described it as Stand by Me for Girls. So you know the Stephen King um, novel that was made into a movie. Right. So right. It's very much a coming of age situation where um, these girls they grow up in a rural village, and it's kind of coming to terms with different things. They're preteens and they're growing up and. It was, I managed to pen 60,000 words when most, I guess, regular kids were out playing, which is totally what you should do at that age. Um, <laughs> and that was the book. And I, I got my teacher to read it. So I was I was dead serious about this. And this was the days before, I'm showing my age, but this was the days before um, you everything was at your fingertips online. So obviously there was the internet, but I used to go up to my local library I lived. I grew up in a small town in Wales where I was literally the only Asian, the only brown face in the community. And I'd go up to my local library, and they had the Writers and Artists Yearbook. I don't know if they have that in America. It's a um, list they of have all the agents and the publishers. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm, uh-huh. And I'd thumb through it. I, I, I had no idea what I was doing, but I thought I had a vague plan. And I'd thumb through it and get all these. Um, you know, get all these addresses, and you know, they weren't email submissions back then. I'd print out the first three chapters, send it right. over, and then, of course, you'd get the thank you so much for your submission. We really enjoyed reading it, which is just probably not for us right now. And it's really funny right. because we had a house move recently, and my mum, they were at my mum's house, and she said, You might just want to keep these now and just look at them. And I've got the <laughs> rejection. Yeah letters um, from the agents um so that yeah that was my first foray into publishing at the age of age of 12 but thankfully I wasn't too scarred and I um I, I guess I'm living vicariously I'm kind of re, you know fulfilling my dream now quite a few years later yeah you know it, it's it's amazing how um determined people are when they really have that like you're saying the the love of, of the words and the story um and and that was pretty you're pretty driven at 12 because one a lot of times kids don't have any interest to write that much um at all even when they have to for school uh but you mm-hmm. i mean were that motivated that you actually did the research to submit it to people who might read it i mean that's tremendous so, funny story, my name in Arabic, it means two things, apparently. It means patience, which I, I dispute. 
and it also means dreamer, which I totally, I totally agree with. And I think I was always that kid who thought, I don't know, maybe even ideas beyond gestation. I always just thought I'd do something more. I'd have words out that people would read. And I don't think, I, you know, I wasn't like the, the top of the class for maths. I wasn't great at sports particularly. Um, but words were my thing, as I, you know, as I say. And it's just something when I got pen to paper probably from the age of like you know five or whenever you start in school I think the teacher said oh that was quite good and I, I and I carried that with me um so sure. yeah, I was quite driven and I guess e- even now I'm the I'm the crazy lady that people will talk about because I published my book at nine months pregnant my debut and then I wrote yeah. the sequel while I was I mean I wrote that one when I was pregnant when sorry when I was nursing my daughter who was a toddler then so it was, you know nighttime breastfeeds typing into my iPhone notes and all the rest of it and then um the I published it in February the month before I gave birth to my son and then while I was sort of nursing him and him and looking after him I started drafting the second the follow up the secret diary of a Bengali bridezilla and that somehow turned into a 99,000 word book which is slightly insane yeah. so I guess that there is that side of me and I'm, and I'm on working on book three now so there is that side of me that I think has maybe you know a bit too much fire in the belly and just wants to yeah <laughs> just get people reading my stories I guess yeah I, I mean it's it, it's definitely something that you know you and I write and it to us it's, it seems the most natural thing about to tell a story um, some people just can't and it's just to us it's just mm. like that it's the easiest thing ever, um, but a lot of people just find it fascinating, which is why we have movies and books and TV shows, and I mean, because it's all storytelling, um, and so yeah, mm-hmm. I, the the fire in the belly to tell that story, no matter what, um, it's it's um, definitely a gift to have, um, and I'm so glad you did. And honestly, I would love at some point in, in your crazy busy schedule, um, if you went back and looked at that book, I think that you could do something with it, that with the kids and Maybe, the girls it, and the coming of age. Is it middle? Yeah. It, yeah, I mean, I, I do think about that, and I sort of, I laugh because I think it's probably on a, it's one of those, Patricia, where I sort of think, where is the manuscript? Because um, it's probably on a floppy disk, remember them? It's probably on one of yes. them somewhere, and I really hope it's not, lost my mum managed to bless her find the a document an envelope which had the first few chapters and she managed to find mm-hmm. the rejection letters which was really really gratefully received um we haven't found the floppy disk yet but i do sort of think when my children start sleeping consistently and i'm at a place where writing is not something i'm squeezing in between all of the other things in my life and you know i can almost sure. the dream is to do it full time of course when when they're a little bit older I would love to see if that would be a kind of, um, I guess, is it is it middle grade, I suppose, that age? Um, right. Novel? Yeah. And, and in, yeah, it would be. Yeah, I mean, in the I, past 20 sorry, years or so, middle grade has just exploded. Because, I, I mean, I'm a little bit older than you, but, I mean, I remember growing up and we did not have this massive amount of, of a library for middle grade. I mean, you went from elementary mm-hmm. school and then you would have all these classics. We had Judy Bloom. We had some other lovely writers um, who I cherished. I mean, I just was begging for more books. Um, but then there was this massive jump, and then we're all supposed to read Steinbeck and, 
um, you know, uh, Lord of the Rings and all these other really <laughs> wonderfully uplifting stories. Yeah. Um, and, and then about 20 years ago, um, 25 years ago, then that the middle grade market just exploded um, with stories like Harry Potter. And so, yeah, I think it would be a beautiful time to write that story. It's in the five-year plan. I, I, will, okay. I, will, I will add her in, but no, it would be lovely to um, revisit that. I'm just worried that I'll look back at it and go, that was terrible. What was I thinking? You know? But it was you always done. I mean, you can fix a story that's written. You can't fix a blank page. So, I mean, for you to that take so true. that massive jump. Mm. Yeah, I mean, to sit down and say, this story just is just so important that I have to sit here and write it. Um, I mean, I uh, years ago I wanted to write um, I wanted to write the next James Bond movie because I love James Bond. I wow. watched it forever and I read the books and everything. So I was gonna like be like the first woman who's gonna write in the series, right? And so I started writing my own thing and and was coming up with a story. And my aunt looked at me. She's like, "Why are you trying to write their stuff? Why don't you write your own stuff?" Um, and uh, oh. I was like, "Oh, I guess I could." And so I did start writing, and I've got. It's somewhere, like you're saying. It's somewhere. I have no idea where it is. Um, but And I would cringe, I know, looking back at it. But I did it, though. And that's kind of the drive, because that, that step gets you to the next one. You know, maybe we could, um, here's an idea, we can be each other's accountability buddies and check in, I don't know, annually and go, how are you getting on with yours? How are you getting on with yours? And that will sort of push us to dig out these, um, dust off these old manuscripts that may or may not be gold. I would love that. And then see what we can do. I would do love that. Them. There you go. Okay. Deal. So everyone's Perfect. hearing us. They're going to make us be accountable. We have to be accountable to each other. So I say oh, let's no, do we, it. Oh, no, of course. We're, <laughs> I, I forgot, I, you made me so relaxed, Patricia, for a second. I forgot, you know, we're broadcasting to like tens of thousands of people. I better find it. There we go. No pressure yeah. for, a, for a weekend. Well, the, to be fair, no, everybody, she does have babies at home. She has little tiny ones. So be nice. Um, if anybody's not nice, you tell me. I will say something. Um, so, <laughs> I but will, yeah, I no, will. It, <laughs> it's it's a process for sure. Um, I'm kind of laughing about you saying you were writing when you were breastfeeding because I remember reading um, when I was doing the same, and it was it was that feeling of you're trying to position it the book where you're looking at the baby, <laughs> but the book's yeah. right there because you know you're supposed to be looking at the baby when you breastfeed, and so. Because of the bonding and everything. And was it a physical um, book as well, or was it a Kindle or a physical book? Yeah, yeah, something. Yeah. So um, it's, uh, but it's amazing. I was talking to someone recently. I said it's amazing how little sleep you can get by on because you're basically on adrenaline uh, the whole time. It's when they sleep a little bit longer is when you realize how tired you are because you get that extra 30 minutes or an hour and you're like, oh, Oh, I'm so tired. Well, as we're um, as we're yeah. on this, um, in, it's crazy. As we're on this chat now, so my son, my husband is thankfully downstairs on standby with the baby monitor. And I know you asked me what we were messaging before this um, interview about sort of nap times, and I felt like a terrible monk. So I was like, I have no idea because his his schedule is so flexed on when he gets up and what his moods are, etc. He's at that transition stage, um, yeah. And he's asleep mm-hmm. as we speak, and I've got half an ear waiting and waiting and he's he's doing really well so i'm like what is this magic that's yes, going on yes 
I tell you, there was um, years ago, I had, my had, we had two at the time, and um, I had two days of interviews I had to do for uh, a website I was writing for. And so the first day I turned on, I had the, their, you know, like Disney Channel, Playhouse Disney on, and then I had some snacks on the table, and they were play, the girls were playing in their room. They were, you know, two and four, something like that. And I could hear them, and um, everything was set up, and um, whatever, and I walked in, I said, okay, I'm going to be working, I have to do some work in the office, so if you need me, that's where I'll be, but everything, you know, I told them, and um, I tell you, as soon as I got on my interview, something exploded, somebody didn't like somebody, <laughs> it, was, it was just, you know, I'm like, seriously, and thankfully, the guy I was talking to worked from home and watched his kids, so he totally understood it, um, but the next day, I did the same exact thing, but I didn't tell them I was working, not a peep didn't hear them the whole time I was working. Like, everything was the same, There's doors wide open. Mm. Yeah, it's that vibe of, oh, mom's busy. <laughs> Quick, let's blow something up. I have the same thing. <laughs> I, I think they know. Like, I, I always joke to my husband about this, but I feel like my children are conspiring to just make me a 1950s housewife because when I'm in the kitchen <laughs> chopping, preparing, you know, cooking, that's fine. You know, my baby will crawl around me and occasionally interrupt, and my daughter is absolutely fine. When it's the laptop, or a sign that mummy's mm-hmm. working, as you say, there's a need, there's an argument, there's a tantrum, and it's like, yeah, these these babies, they are they are conspiring. Mhm, mhm. Yeah. yeah. It's, Equally, it's they're very excited like, when the book comes yeah. out. Of course. <laughs> and so let's talk about that. Tell me about your first book and how you came to the idea. Okay, so um, my first book, The Secret Diary of an Arranged Marriage, it, it came about from a kind of a conversation with my husband. So I'd, at this point, I'd put Jane's gang to bed, you know, years mm-hmm. ago. And I kind of did, I didn't think writing really, I, I worked, I, I, I was a journalist and I worked in PR, so writing was my living, but I didn't really think being an author was a viable career because I thought, you can only go down the traditional published route and, you know, you hear various stories. It's not as lucrative as it was, et cetera, et cetera. So it's completely not on my mind at all. And I just had my work and my blog. And that was my right. writing um, book satisfied. And I think um, I sat with my husband one day and we'd been married, I think, about probably two or three years at that stage. And we were talking about it and we just said, it's really funny. So my husband and I met, and I'm the the community I'm from, which is Bengali Muslim. Arranged mm-hmm. marriages as a process do exist, but they're not in the way people think. So um, essentially, in summary, that the arranged marriage process means it's not that you're either forced to marry someone, or it's not the traditional thing where your parents choose someone and you don't have a say. It's kind of now more of a kind of it's it's almost more of an ecosystem in that your parents might introduce you to somebody family might introduce you friends might introduce you you might do online dating you might go to dating sure. events there's so much more and, and and any of the ways are fine it's more about giving you as many opportunities to meet someone to find the one as you can now a lot of people don't know that in sort of outside of the community and mm-hmm. my husband and i said we've never seen a book that's written about it in that kind of nuanced way as far as we knew knew so when we'd when I'd read stories and I did my university um for my degree I did my dissertation on Asian women in literature and any mention of arranged marriage kind of had a negative stance it was either a submissive woman who didn't really have a say in the matter or mm-hmm. it was um 
a really feisty, you know, strong, independent woman who rallied against the idea. And I said to her husband, I've never really seen anything where the girl's open to being set up in various different ways because she wants to settle down. So she's doing the whole, like, going to dating events, being introduced through friends, but also through her family. And I thought, and we both discussed because, you know, we'd gone through various processes as everybody does, and we said, it would be so funny to write it as a chick-lit comedy with a bit right. of emotion and a bit of heart. And so you're kind of informing people. So it's not heavy. You're kind of informing people about it without even knowing you're informing people. So that was the germ of the right. idea. And then I was between, I remember I'd finished um, one job. I'd finished one PR role. And I had the luxury, which doesn't really exist these days, of having about five weeks between finishing that job and starting my next job. And, of course, normal people will relax, will relax and go to the gym and go to the spa. And I thought, oh, I'll write this book. So I started mm-hmm. writing it, and I think I penned about the first five chapters. And then I started my new job. Life got in the way, and I left it similar to the way I left you know, Jane's gang, except this wasn't completed. So then right. I think, so years later, I was at a different stage. I'm just trying to think. Yeah, I'd had my daughter. I was at a different stage in my life. And I'd read a book, and I don't know if you've um, you've heard of it in the U.S. It's it's quite big. It's called Queenie. Okay. Yes. Have you heard of that? It, yes. So, um, so Queenie had come out, and it was about you know a young black girl living and navigating um, dating in London. And again, I, I thought, why don't we talk about you know? There's not the story for kind of the British Muslim or British Bengali girl, you know, on that scale. I hadn't seen doing the same sort of thing and really talking about her life and that process. So I picked it up. I dug it out. Thank God I found it. It was in, you know, in one of my emails to myself. That's so, you know, right. lazy about no it. No floppy anyway, disk. I dug it out. and I, <laughs> Not a floppy disk. Things had moved on a bit since then. So it wasn't a floppy disk, but thankfully it was somewhere on the email. And then I started and it was one of those. And I'm sure you have the same when you write sort of it starts. Sometimes it's something writes itself. So mm-hmm. I had my daughter and I was, I was breath, I mean, I had barely any hours and I discovered iPhone notes, which was a game changer for me because I would be, you know, she wasn't a great sleeper. So I'd be nursing her in the night. I'd be up at two o'clock, three o'clock and I would just scroll, scroll down chapters and chapters. And suddenly I had a body of work. It took, you know, I can't remember how long it took at the time. It took quite a few months and I had a body of work and it was a very rough draft. So then I had the story and I thought, okay, my my initial reaction was I didn't know anything about the route I have now gone down, which was self-publishing, doing it independently. I didn't know anything about that. So I had an idea that I'd send it to a couple of agents and I went to a writing group in Manchester as well, which is where I live. And then, um, yeah, I think I read more about how hard it is to land an agent, etc. And I got quite disillusioned about that. And then I suddenly... I think I happened upon a few articles online in some online newspapers about people who'd done quite well from publishing independently. And then I suddenly found all these Facebook Facebook groups like the self-publishing formula and um, right. the um, 20 books to 50K and all that. And I suddenly, and, and the chick, how we met as well, which is Chick Lit, um, I came upon later. So suddenly right. I learned about all these things and thought, actually I can control this narrative because one of the things I was also very conscious of and the reason I wanted to write the book that I did was I felt that often um, 
there's no other way of putting this, but I think stories about women of culture and diverse stories often get told through a different lens by the time they've been edited and by the time they've been made to fit a narrative. So then what happens is they're either exoticized. So the picture yes. will be typical. It'll be a lady with a sari on the cover because that's what we wear every day, of course, you know, going of to course, the shop yes. and going to work or, uh, yeah, or the context will be a certain way. And I thought that is not what I want. That is mm-hmm. exactly not what I want. I want to write it the way I would and the way I'd want to read it and the way people I know would want to read it. So that was it. So I, I got the story together. And then once I learned about how you can do it yourself to be on a par with traditionally published books, so I learned about getting a cover designer, getting a developmental editor, getting it proofread, um, having beta readers and advanced readers. And suddenly it was this whole like Pandora's box of things you can do and oh, options sure. to make it on a par. And, and because I'm a PR person by trade, that was the blessing in disguise for me because one of the things, the biggest concerns for me was, and it was my hang up, I fully admit now, just because I didn't know much about it. But my hang-up was, will people think it's not good enough because I've published it myself? Will people think I did it because nobody, you know, wanted to read it? So I thought, right. okay, I'm going to make, you know, be as sure as I can that it's on a par or as close as it can be by doing all these things, so hiring all these professional resources and making sure it's up to standard. And one of the things I was, I'm, I'm quite proud of is between sleep deprivation and getting the book out, I did a, you know, in as much as I could, I did some good PR. So I got into a national magazine, Good Housekeeping, mm-hmm. and I got into you know some newspapers and some other features about the book and about being an author. And suddenly I thought, I'm, the great thing was, the beauty of it is, I was doing the things that I would have assumed would happen if I was traditionally published, except right. it was very empowering and I was doing doing it myself. So yeah, so it was you're doing it all of it yourself. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot of legwork, but it was really satisfying. Oh, so for that sure. That was the story, and then, yeah. Well, I think too, you know, we there's been a lot of discussion the past year or two about more diversity and more voices. And you're right. There's, it's there have been times I've talked to multiple author friends of mine that, um, you know, the story they wanted to tell was changed because, well. The, mm-hmm. This idea of, well, not as many people are going to understand it. It's like, but a good story is a good story. And those good stories should be given yeah. the, po- the opportunity to be told by the people who understand it, who are through their lens. Um, and it, I mean, like one example, and, and I know it's, it's not exact, but um, if you've ever seen the movie My Big Fat Greek Wedding, um, Nia Vardalis was, it was a um, one woman show she did for a while. And so, she there was a lot of people who came to see it um and wanted to market it and they wanted to buy it and they said we but we're going to change it we're going to make our big italian wedding our big mm-hmm. jewish wedding because more people will understand that is what the idea was and she said i don't know if it was arrogance or stupidity but i kept saying no it has to be this um and so she held out mm-hmm. and then it turns out that tom hanks wife rita wilson who's greek and her whole family's greek she and her sisters and her mom saw the play and they just loved it. So then she went home and told Tom and then Tom came to see it. And then that's how they worked together and made this movie, which was huge. And because it was a good story. And so like you're saying, you, you have seen so many examples of arranged marriages, um, 
that have, like you're saying, turned out to be someone who's either no way like a, you know, Kiss Me Kate or uh, Taming of the Shrew type situation, or you've got uh, someone who's just, you <laughs> yeah. know, it's the, it's the bookworm that nobody wants, right? Um, and it's just, it's wonderful to see, and, and thank you for explaining it, because the arranged marriage, the word itself or the phrase is, is I think, it's loaded. the problem with a lot of people. Um, because it's, it mm. sounds like it's just like you would do if you were, um, you know, going, um, my friends are introduced to us, my parents know their parents, and, you know, dating, I mean, it just sounds yes. like a typical social situation. There's um, a joke in the book, and it's, um, and, I, and I love this, and it's the one that people resonate with, so I say something like, you know, Tinderandmatch.com might think they're market leaders with their sophisticated algorithm helping determine the perfect partner for you. Well, us Asians yeah. have been doing it for centuries, and we didn't even need yeah. a computer. So that's you know right. that's the summation. And it, it, what you, what you say, Patricia, is so true about the whole having the story. Because one of the big things for me was um, when I first got some beta readers to look at the book. One of my one of them was a really good friend of mine who's really good and very critical, which is exactly what you need. And she said to Absolutely. me, "Who is this aimed at?" Yeah, she said to me, "Who is this aimed at? Is it aimed at?" people you know from your community girls that know the story people that are living it for them to sort of almost reminisce and feel heard or is it for mainstream people that don't know about it and my right. answer was both my answer yeah. was both and I said I hope it's both but I'm not sure because I again and by default and this it's just how it is but a lot of these stories that are quite exotic exoticized and you can you can go on you know amazon kobo anywhere and they do stand out because like i say usually there's a lot of bright colors and the girls wearing an asian outfit and it's very like i say it's very exoticized and one of the things um is that it's probably only read by people it catches the intrigue of someone from that community because it's like oh it's a book that i can relate to well i wanted it to be a book that is funny, entertaining, and intriguing for anyone who doesn't know about it and has always had those questions. Because, you know, lots of people have questions and they don't necessarily want to ask. But equally, yeah. um, I wanted it to be something that also is a voice for people who go through the process. So it really warms my heart that, even though, of course, I don't have exact data of demographic of who's buying it, etc., but I'm going by the reviews, and there are lots of them, where people say, I picked up this book, and I, I was always intrigued by the process, and it's been an eye-opener. And other people say, yeah. it actually sounds like it actually sounds like quite a good thing, you know, that we, we should have in the Western community. And I love that, and it's there's so much more. It is chiclet, and it is meant to be light, and it is meant, it is, it's, it's sort of almost like, you could say, a beach read. It's an easy read. But within there, it does tackle race, it does tackle identity, it does tackle belonging, but it does it in a way that it's not just aimed at, you know, British Bengali Muslims, it's not just aimed at Asians. And like you say, with the big fat Greek wedding, a good story is a good story. And it transcends, yeah. and that's what I love about it. Well, and the awkwardness of day, I mean, come on, I don't care, I don't care who you are or, you know, what religious affiliation you are or you don't do any i mean dating is awkward <laughs> it's just an For awkward sure. thing um yeah. even if 
if it's the classic or the stereotypical um, what's assumed as a, an arranged marriage, like you only would marry within this group. And, I mean, there's plenty of, of Christian groups that do it too. Oh, well, you know, you, you've seen plenty of movies. Well, he's not um, he's not Catholic or he's not, um, you know, mm. Baptist or, or she's not whatever. Um, and so you see it, but it's just an awkward thing. I mean, yeah. you're learning about a stranger that you're going to be spending quite a bit of time with um and yeah it's, yeah. it's a it's a weird process so yeah definitely that's why it's a story that's as old as time isn't it because you you never get bored of it because it's never the same story it's like the same concept finding the one but isn't that one you know it's one of life's biggest mysteries and biggest challenges isn't it really it, you know in that regard so i think it's just it's funny and relatable to anybody and i think one of the things with the sto- the books i've written is i just want to show that you know in this world that can be quite polarized we actually mm-hmm. share more similarities than differences once you get a to lot the yeah a lot like yeah uh, what mother isn't going to tell you she wasn't exhausted with her first child or second child or there's a child she worries about because of whatever and um you know finding your keeping your yeah. identity as a as a mother and and you talk about a lot of different things on your you have a blog too so um yeah so it's how how mia blog bob so it's dot com. yes yeah that's right yeah okay and 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 I love the comment that you have on it. It says unfiltered, meaning pictures are unfiltered, the talk is unfiltered, all of it. And, you know, I, I love that. I'm so glad you said that because I just feel like in this world with, you know, Instagram, which I'm on, but I'm just not very good at it. And, you know, the people, the, the sort of influences, it's all, it's all just filtered and it's not, it just doesn't feel real. And I think mm-hmm. through my writing, through my pictures, I just, I just want to always say it kind of how it is. And I think there's, there's sort of not enough of that because we're in this society we're in. It's everything so curated now. And yeah. I, so I'm so yeah. glad you like it because sometimes I think, am I in the minority? You know, trying to do this whole unfiltered thing. So it's so, it's, it makes me really happy when I hear that people say, I love the way it was written because it is just how it should be because what 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 were blogs before they were meant to be you know normal an outlet for normal people and now they're turning into magazines and what was instagram was you put your silly photo or whatever your photo on your grainy camera and now they're like you know (laughs) high fashion photo shoots and everything's just getting samey but that's a rant for another day yes well and it's interesting we have this um um store here called target do you have you have targets there no and we don't have target but i've heard of it okay so it's got clothes and some of them are the super targets and they have food but this one has uh you know it has both and i was walking around because we tend to go there far more often than we should um and um i was looking at my girls were getting some clothes and i look over at the picture and it's um in in Texas, we have beachwear out like in February because it, other than this crazy so breeze we had in February, um, it's it's warm and so people are swimming almost mm. year round, and um, so we have swimsuits almost year round. And I look over and there's an ad and this lovely woman in this ad, and I look and it's like she has stretch marks, 
And I was like, whoa, what happened? And it's not that I was like, oh, that's terrible. I thought, oh, my gosh, this is fabulous. Um, She is Mm -hmm. imperfect, which everybody is. So I'm looking at her. She's not your classic, like, super thin supermodel type. She looks very healthy, very normal. I hate to use the word normal. But, you know, she looks fine. And um, I was like, wow. And so I started looking through the ads on the website, and sure enough, they're really not Photoshopping much. So I said, okay. So then I went into Torrid, which is for um, women uh, sizes 10 to 30, and looking through that, and they're not Photoshopping much. And I thought, okay, well, let me look some more. And I looked at I looked at Victoria's Secret, and I'm like, okay. I was showing my daughter the comparisons, and I'm like, well, wait a minute. She's got stretch marks, and there's a – so I don't know what's going on. Something's but, happening. Um, there is, hmm. Something's happening that – you know, granted, everybody wants the the fantasy, but I think what maybe advertisers are realizing is people, like you're saying, are being smothered by it, and it's like, it, I can't do this. You know, it's not real. I'm so, hoping, yeah, I'm hoping there's a shift. Yeah, mm. yeah. And it's quite I mean, again, we all want the glamour. That- yeah. Sure, we, lo- we love a dress-up, but it's also scary, isn't it, to think we've been so conditioned that it caught your attention because somebody was in a picture looking normal. And that shows how much we are bombarded with, you know, highly, highly sort of photoshopped, highly edited imagery that, you know, a regular right. person stands out and, and scary. But, yeah, hopefully that is the right way we're moving. Right. Well, I know when HD first started coming out, there was this big discussion in Hollywood about, um, you know, the actors were really worried about it because, I mean, you know, if you're watching an mm-hmm. award show, it's going to show if you, you know, it's going to show everything. And it just got to the point where people just got used to that really crisp picture. Um, and then I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's people that still hate it. But, I mean, I like being able to see um, everything in detail, just like if I were standing in front of it. So um, mm-hmm. it's, it's very interesting. And so when you have stories like yours that are that your voices and your experiences – I think it's incredibly important, and I'm so glad you took the step to uh, say, you know what, I'll I'll do my own. I'll I'll get my own book out there. But you still, like, you made a big point. You put a quality product out there, and I think that's what a lot of people get through. The well, people aren't going to think it's very good, right? Because I did it myself. Mm-hmm. But really, you did an amazing amount of work to make sure that product that you put out there was really, really good. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I did. I did want it to be on on a par. And like I say, because um, I thought, well, if I have this, like, you know, monkey on my shoulder saying, is it not good enough? If that's why you're going down that route, I can't blame an average. Re- I can't blame a reader for holding those same, you know, views. So mm-hmm. I thought, well, I owe it to the reader then. If they're going to spend, you know. Two dollars ninety nine, three dollars ninety nine on on my ebook. I want them, or, or you know, a little bo- little more on the paperback. I want them to feel like they've had a great read. I want them to feel like they've enjoyed it, like they would any other book. So, and I think you know that's what I guess we we all aim to do, just to make sure that it it is up there. And and I was really glad actually because um just recently in in April it won the um this is a UK based but there's the book brunch selfies I think they have a US US version as well it won the best adult fiction mm-hmm. my debut novel yes um and it was based on the marketing campaign that was one of the big um benchmarks they used and it was the fact that I did sort of PR around it and 
you know, that's one of the things that is really important. I believe going on, you know, like your show, for example, getting coverage and speaking to people. I think sometimes in um, the self-publishing world, there can be an emphasis on advertising, which I 100% get why. That is where you can verify your sales through Facebook ads, AMS ads. However, there is so much to be said about bubbling along in the background of building your brand. Yes, you can't Mm -hmm. necessarily quantify sales to it, but I think it goes a long way. And again, this is what our traditional, um, traditionally published contemporaries do. They do that. Yeah. When they do that, they do that very well. And and that's one of the things I wanted to make sure that you know, I, I yeah, it can stand, it can level up. And hopefully oh, yeah. it has. So you know, the audience—they're always the best judge, aren't they? The readers. Yes. Well, and two, they um, there is something to be said. I, I've noticed a lot of of authors don't want to talk about their book they don't want to go on you know camera and to be on a podcast even um is really intimidating because you basically have to talk about yourself um for Mm. for however long the podcast is and a lot of people just don't um either know how to do that or don't want to do that but you're selling a book and so for readers to hear your voice and it's it's like all the layers of the senses, right? So, you know, we've read your book and, and mm-hmm. I've touched the book or the Kindle and I've, you know, absorbed it. But now I get to hear your voice and understand why you wrote what you wrote. And that just kind of connects even more. Um, and so it, it's one of those things I think that a lot of, of authors miss out on is they think, well, what would a podcast do? It's like, well, you're going to be reaching a different demographic and a different audience. So, yeah, I mean, I'm so glad you're here oh, because that's, that's a huge point. Yeah, yeah, I'm it's a big so deal. glad you, you had me, and it's, yeah, thank you. No, I'm so glad you had me because it's such an amazing podcast, so I'm quite, I'm humbled to have had the opportunity, for sure. Well, it's been fun that you reached out. I was like, oh, my gosh, who is this? And, and then I saw your books, and I was like, oh, absolutely. I mean, I just... Um, Anybody who wants to come on and talk about their books, I'm all for it because, like you said, as as uh, people and especially as authors, we have a lot more in common than we think, no matter which genre we write, um, because of the just, I mean, writing's isolating. You really do need people that mm. get why you're doing it. Yeah, so you can be in your kind of, yeah, you can almost go into your own little shell, I guess, on bubble when you're writing because it's quite an intense process. And it is, especially, I don't know if you've found during the pandemic, there's even less of the networking isn't out there anymore. You know, the events right. and the kind of writers groups or even, you know, for a while, I imagine it was the same in the States as well. But for a while, for us, even going to that coffee shop that might, you might have had your little cozy corner, that was gone. So right. it definitely, this kind of things, you know, doing this, it reminds you that, Oh, actually, yes. There's a there's a world out there, and people are reading, reading, and they're reading my books, and they're reading other books. And yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a good reminder to step away from you know the keyboard, or in my case, the iPhone notes, or now mm-hmm. iPhone dictate, which is my new thing. But that's another that's another bit of a um, thing that's worked for me. And actually, yeah, talking to people. And as you guessed, I do like talking. You've probably you've probably gathered by now. <laughs> Well, you've done a beautiful job. I've loved it. I, I, so you're working on book three. We have about two minutes left, but I mean, when do you anticipate book three will um, be out? So I think it's going to, I'm drafting as we speak, so I think it's going to be either end of this year, early next year, and I'm toying with, and any advice on this would be good, I'm toying with maybe doing a pre-order because so many people have said, 
I can't wait for the next one. Is there a next one that I've left that in in um, reviews? So I'm wondering whether to mm -hmm. actually sort of satisfy that need now. Um, and beyond that, I'm actually in the process of getting my audio books done for both the oh, Secret nice. Diary of an Arranged Marriage. Yeah, I can't wait to get them out into the world. So the Secret Diary of an Arranged Marriage and the Secret Diary of a Bengali Bridezilla. And beyond that, um, away from the series... I'm actually cooking up some non-fiction. So um, because I'm a PR girl, I'm a PR person, and it helped me a huge amount, I'm in the process of um, very early stages of getting a PR book together, basically to help people get publicity that they wouldn't afford through advertising, which I include myself in that bracket. You know, in yeah. the most part, it helps people, whether it's authors, influencers, bloggers, small businesses, because I do feel that there's a gap um where they miss out because they either they a don't know the value of it or b they do know the value and they think they'll never get a chance to do it. So that's me. In between right. that, I would like to sleep. Hopefully, if my kids play ball. Yeah. Oh, I was. It would be great. I would. I was just. I was going to say. I think you should absolutely teach how to market as an author, because it definitely. I mean, you've got such a unique perspective, and to you, it's like, well, yeah. Doesn't everybody know this? It's like they really don't. Um, and especially mm -hmm. as an author, and then you've got the different kinds of authors, and how would you market, and to whom would you market, and um, there, yeah, mm -hmm. there's a technique, but you know that, and you've got a, an incredible amount of information there, so yeah, but if you ever need any help with any of that, I'm glad to uh, brainstorm it with you, because sometimes um, those babies can really drain the, the brainstorming ability, huh? They they really really can. I was going to say in between that I'd probably try and catch some sleep between this 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 rough schedule I've got. But no, thank you, Patricia. That would be really appreciated actually because I'm actually the one thing I guess I haven't done as much yet um, is network enough. Just because I'm in this bubble, I gave birth during yeah. the pandemic. I published my book during the pandemic. So I, yeah, that's my next thing I guess. Just getting to know you know amazing authors like yourself and getting out there into the world that way. Oh, yeah, I would love it. I would love it. So do me a favor. Let's stay in touch. And then um, please, when your book Thank three you. is about to come out, let's talk. So you come back and talk to us some more. And then um, absolutely stay and stay accountable to each other. So we'll see if we the other one pulls out their old, terrible manuscripts that we're afraid for anyone yeah. to read, maybe even ourselves. <laughs> They, they, mine might be the next great British novel, and yours might be the next great American novel. So you never know. Let's see what you let's really see what happens. Let's do it. Let's do it. I goals for goals for amazing. Yes, let's absolutely let's do it. I love it. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. I I really enjoyed it. Thank you for having uh, me. Absolutely. So for everyone who's listening, I have been talking to Halima Katun. She has her website, halimabobs.com. She also has, you can find her at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Her first book, The Secret of an Arranged Marriage, and now her book, The Secret of a Mingali Bridezilla, both out now. She's working on book three. You can get those books at Amazon and Kobo. I've got links into the write-up of the show as well as all her social media. And give her a shout and uh, let her get some sleep, though, because she's she's got a lot going on. Um, and this <laughs> This has been Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio. Keep on reading, everybody. This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle. 